Hello and welcome to the Professional Empathy Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Butterworth, empathy speaker and educator, social enterprise, university lecturer, and all-round empathy enthusiast. Now, I'm trying to figure out what empathy is, why it matters, and how we can live our lives with greater empathy. I do that by interviewing people from all sorts of professions and experiences. And today, I'm excited to talk about empathy, menstruation, and the workplace with Matilda and Sarah from Myoni. Now, Matilda and Sarah are the founders of Brisbane Social Enterprise Myoni, and they're passionate about providing reusable, ethical, locally made products and services to make your cycle as safe, comfortable, and as empowering as possible. Now, menstruation isn't a topic that you'll hear discussed very often, especially in the workplace. But this needs to change, and today we're going to discuss why it needs to change and the personal and business benefits of an open, empathetic approach to menstruation in your business. Now, I teach empathy training all over the world, and I've got an online training course called Empathy Fundamentals, How to Practice Empathy Without Burning Out. If you'd like to access this, I've got a special offer for my podcast listeners. So when you go to empathyfirst.com.au, type in podcast and you'll get 50% off. That's almost $100 off my Empathy Fundamentals, How to Practice Empathy Without Burning Out. And you'll find that at empathyfirst.com.au. My name's Leanne Butterworth and this is the Professional Empathy Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. I'm here today with Sarah and Matilda from Myoni. And we're talking about empathy and menstruation in the workplace. Now, it is a little bit of a special episode today. It is episode 30 of the Professional Empathy Podcast, but it's the first one where I actually get to reach out and touch the humans that I'm talking about, <laughs> talking to. <laughs> Hooray. So, hello and welcome. Thank you for having us. It's a privilege. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. We've got the headphones, we've got the microphones, we've got eye contact. So... We'll do really. We're going to have some fun today. So, Sarah and Matilda, would you like to give a little bit of an introduction about who you are, what you do, and why you guys are the best ones to talk to me today about empathy and menstruation in the workplace? Sure. So, we are the founders and directors of Myoni, making reusable, recyclable, ethically Australian-made menstrual products, and passionately delivered services all about the menstrual revolution, why it matters, and how we can embrace this in our lives. Awesome. What's the menstrual revolution? Well, it's just a fun term that we started using when we came up with the idea of Myoni, but we can, we're seeing many other concurrent people speaking about this. And it's that periods have a space beyond just this thing that happens and then it doesn't happen or we don't talk about and we just suffer or or tolerate or barely deal with. And, you know, that's something that we've learned. We, we started obviously making the products and then we realized this is a tool for a way bigger conversation about sustainability, about financial impacts, about health and well-being impacts, about productivity impacts and mental health impacts. There's so much more beyond just having a cycle once a month or having a menstrual bleed once a month. Yeah. And uh, the more we have been learning that, the more it's kind of blowing our minds. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think we started with this menstrual revolution because we felt that it needed to be something drastic in our own lives. I think we've all gone through a personal journey whilst we've gone through this journey of creating a business, but also that there is such shame and taboo around menstruation, around periods, around the menstrual cycle. And we needed to shake that up. We needed to bring something else quite dramatic to break that cycle for ourselves. And then, yeah, as Sarah has said, this journey in creating these products and using these products has meant that it's such a much bigger picture of how we can tap into the amazing power we have as menstruating beings. So yeah, join the menstrual revolution. (laughs) (laughs) So you're talking about menstrual products. So what is it that Myoni sells and how did you guys get into this social enterprise? So I think it was Sarah who had the idea initially (laughs) to create a menstrual cup made in Australia, ethically produced, and we've gone out of our way to create something that is really beautifully designed, but also really sleek and takes the best of what we think is a a great menstrual cup. Um, We were menstrual cup users many, many, many years ago and before they became popular on the shelves, you you really had to search for them. I think we had a friend who actually imported them from the US to actually start using them. And she Um, needed an importer's license and could only bring a handful through at a time. So it was very much a um, fringe thing. mm, mm. So now it's fantastic. This it is. It's a revolution happening. We can find all sorts of different products on the market shelves, which is great. It's so amazing to see the different options for people. So we developed and designed our own menstrual cup. We make that in Australia. We make it out of materials that are recyclable at the end of its use. We've been really mindful that every stage of its production is an ethical you know, part of that production. We've visited all the places that make our products. We know the people who make them. It's really important to us that each aspect of this, the, that production was a really it gives back in other ways, not just in a, making a really awesome product, but we're supporting local business. We're supporting really ethical production. And we also make menstrual pads, which are made by small enterprise in Australia. We have some fantastic designs that are made by small sewers. So we're really supporting all of those little enterprises and bringing the, these reusable, fantastic products to the market to offer an alternative to disposables, which, as Sarah has said, is this tool to tapping into your cycle. Yeah. So if we talk about our cycle then, so we've you've come into the business looking at a product side and you've realised that there's an education and a stigma and a taboo side that needs discussing as well. What are the benefits? Like why are we here today having this discussion? Why is this such an important discussion to be having? What's coming to mind for me is when we do events, expos or speak, particularly early on in our journey, I'll speak for myself, but I think, Matilda, we observed that we became the safe space for people to come and share all these things about their experiences with menstruation. We had single fathers saying, I don't know what to do and my daughter's just got her period with people sharing their their joys and their tribulations and all the things in between and went, wow. And then they'd say, oh, sorry, sorry, it's, it's probably too much information, apologising. <laughs> like, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's not. No, it's not. That was this real sort of realising that what we had started creating normally between ourselves is openness to talk about our periods and our cycle and what impact that was having on our lives and the way we were dealing with that and the, way, the things we were putting in place to manage and to embrace it 
was not common knowledge and was not something that a lot of people did and that it would be of such great benefit to people to be able to understand that on a deeper level and to go into that as a real opportunity to tap into power that we've been denied for a really long time. And we always say, look, it's no fault of our mothers, it's no fault of the other women in our lives, but they weren't told or didn't have this information to pass on to us. You're horrid for that week and you just want a chocolate and swear at people and for the rest of the time you're perfectly fine. But we talk more about cycles and we know that we have them. But could you please go into a little bit about our cycle? So we all know what we're talking about when we then move the conversation on to menstruation at work because I think cycles is a big part of that. Absolutely. For ages, I just thought I bled and then I didn't bleed, right? Mm -hmm. I just bled for a week and then it was nothing. And lo and behold, no, there is so much more to it, which is crazy because Mm -hmm. once you understand that, you're like, oh, everything makes so much more sense. So we have, as cyclical beings that usually go on sort of this monthly-ish cycle, four phases, and they are phases that sort of drive the way in which we are we can present to the world as well, not only around fertility. uh, They can have all these different impacts on the way in which we engage in the world. So obviously menstruation is one of the phases. We're very familiar with that. And then... Follicular. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. It's the next one after that. So think of it, there's so many analogies, but let's think of seasons, right? We all know what the four seasons are. So winter is the menstruation the period, the insula going in your cocoon, yep. very yin, slow time, okay? And then we emerge into spring, which is follicular, when you start to have a surge of energy and it's a great time for starting, trying new things and feeling more energised and, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to be a bit more out there in the world. More robust kinds of exercises are more appropriate. And then getting to our shortest phase, which is ovulation, which is depending on the person, two to three days. So it's a really short one. That's great for networking, presenting, dating, being, that's your summer. Yep. Okay. And then we come into our internal autumn, which is the longest phase, depends on your body, but up to 10 days, two weeks. And that's when slowly our energy starts to sort of wind down. But this is a brilliant time for decluttering, organizing, ticking off the to-do list. I also find it's like a great time to get real about things. You know, like Mm -hmm. if I've been putting off doing a certain task, I'm a little bit more direct with myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What yes. was the name of that phase? That's luteal. That's the luteal phase. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's often, your like your autumn. autumn. And often in that sort of luteal, the premenstrual phase, we can feel really raw and real about things. And I think we're all familiar with that premenstrual PMS. And to an extent, some of that we need to be mindful of the way in which we're, our lifestyle can have an impact on how extreme some of those things can be in that phase. So that's one thing we like people to take note of. But also in that phase to tap into that. I have learned that that's a phase of mine where I need to ask for more help. And that's something that I need to create space for myself. But also if you're feeling something at that, at that time, 
where we recommend that people take note of that. Often you can be, you might be interpersonal relationships, it might be something that's really bugging you. Don't deal with it then. You're not in the right headspace. You're not in the right cap- capacity necessarily. Yeah. Go through your menstruation, mull on it, have more intuition. Are you quite more in tune with your intuition when you're menstruating or you can be if you're tap- tapping into that and then come out the other side and come into your follicular phase that's a great time to act on it because you're in a different more reflective phase you've got more energy it's a different stance to be able to then go and maybe have those conversations with the person who's annoying you you know yeah, yeah. for example potentially in a less emotionally charged way exactly yeah which can work out a better for you and the <laughs> other people involved. Yeah. I find before I get my period, I get a period cold because mm. my immunity drops. So I can always tell when my period's coming because I'll get the sniffles right? and I'll feel yep. like the flu's coming on and then my period will come, flu will go away and I'm like, excellent. Yeah. Now we have this to deal with. <laughs> but it's really important to be aware of your cycles. It's really important to track your cycles. What is the power of that? What is the power of actually writing down, whether it's, I don't know if symptoms is the right word, Mm. what's your, what are the words that you guys use? Is symptoms the right word? Look, they can be. And I think that has like medical connotations that something's not quite right. And for some people that might be true and we need to kind of look at that. And as I said, like some lifestyle factors, there might be other things. So it's nice to be able to look at your whole cycle, go through it and make notes And then find those patterns because we do see them. If you've done it over a couple of months, a few months, you kind of see that there are patterns that are emerging, whether they're emotional ones, whether they're interpersonal relationships. Are you picking fights at a certain time or is one person really annoying you? You know, those kinds of things and ways in which we can then work with those and overcome them or put in um, practices in place. But also things like how you're dressing. Are you dressing more colourfully and extroverted in certain aspects, certain times of the month? Or are you doing certain types of exercise? And that's something too people might want to tap into more intense exercise at the, you know, those spring and summer in your cycle and then sort of wind down when it's coming into the sort of premenstrual and menstrual phases. So there's different ways we can really tap into the power of each of those phases. And without recording them, yeah, it's really hard to know where yeah. you're at. And we just sort of get on with life and forget and just, you know, continue on. So it can be something super, super simple. Use a calendar you currently have and just put down when you start your period, yeah. you know, and then at least you're tracking how long your cycle is. And then maybe days of note, you know, like have I got a really high emotion or low emotion or, you know, did something happen or, you know, something that triggered me or whatever it might be if there's some dream or actually the one that I love is spending habits. So some people might be much more extroverted in their spending (laughs) at certain times of the month. Or maybe you're spending a lot on chocolate at one time. You know, like it's nice to be able to see where those patterns are. There are obviously a number of tools that we highlight to people as being useful. Mm. Calendars, tracking in different formats, whether it's printed or digitally. It's yeah, kind of just working with what works for you. And what kind of, do you want to create a, a bunch of symbols and colours and, and colour in each yep. day or just write some notes or yep. whatever it might be? And yeah. I think also that awareness, that self-awareness, like I will often curse spring and summer Leanne because she books things for winter Leanne yeah. that winter Leanne doesn't have the energy for. Yeah. But instead of, if I didn't have that awareness, if I didn't have that awareness that motivated Leanne, 
can get unmotivated Leanne into a whole (laughs) lot of trouble. It's, oh, but this is me. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. There's something wrong. I am depressed or I am an extrovert. And why is there no consistency to, but when you go, oh, it's not me, it's my hormones, it's my cycle, it's part of being a woman on a natural cycle. And I am at sort of the behest of things that are completely beyond my control. So it's not, this is who I am. It's just, this is what I happen to be going through this week of the month. And it is exhausting, but the more self-awareness you have that then helps you understand your own emotions and potentially understand the emotions of other people. Yeah, there's a lot more room for grace and kindness towards ourselves and other people, as well as, like you said, not pigeonholing ourselves into I am this way. I'm like, sometimes you are and sometimes you're not, and not apologizing for feeling low energy or, you know, not being who you were two weeks ago in terms of your output in the external world, which is, I think, in our conditioning valued higher than other types of well-being and, and output. If we didn't take time for that rest and rejuvenation, we wouldn't be able to do those things at the best capacity that we can. And we, I've definitely found in myself and in others, we've had these conversations and we've observed that if we don't honour each of those elements of our cycle, we can really just run into burnout. If you're constantly in this phase of output, 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 which we're really in tune to and and much more inclined to do in those, you know, spring and summer. And if you don't go and rest, if you don't go and have that more introspective, the planning, the, the, um, you know, the problem solving aspects and really honing in on those or giving them that space, you, you just don't have the energy to keep doing that and giving and doing. So it's really important that we do honour that. I think it's important that we note that, Our menstrual cycle is based on that sort of monthly cycle, right? But our nine-to-five workday, our nine-to-five workday culture, (laughs) our society is built on a more masculine cycle and that is a 24-hour hormonal cycle, which, okay, I didn't even realise that was a thing until we did, you know, gone along this journey. So, you know, that masculine cycle exists, but it is more of a 24-hour cycle and it's rejuvenated with sleep, unlike ours, which is rejuvenated with Chocolate. You know, yeah, chocolate. <laughs> yeah, weeks and of rest and doing different modes of being productive. So we get caught up in, I think Sarah mentioned earlier, that sort of we're valued and praised for being output-driven and doing. And these other aspects of how to be are not as well-praised and not highly sought after or not seen as being really valued. And that's where we have a real problem. Yeah to be able to translate that, to value that, and to have others who we engage with and work with value that as well and see that that's possible as being just as productive and valued. Yeah, absolutely. So if we're talking about then the impact of our cycle on work and we are, I mean, we're trying to change things. We're trying to change some taboos. We're trying to have some conversations around menstruation and its impact on our work. So we've mentioned things like the different phases and how we can feel more motivated in some phases. And when we're not feeling as productive or typically productive, we don't feel shame and guilt for going, well, hang on, I got all this done last week. So 
to me, then it's that not only being able to track what we're doing, but being able to line it up, like you said, give ourselves grace. And then when we're working in a small team or even by ourselves, how do we then match the work that we're doing? So if we just look at, let's say, singles and pairs for a moment, because working within a bigger system feels like a bigger shift. How do we do that? What sort of things could we be doing on our seasons? How do we, once we've start tracking, what sort of things could we be putting in each of our seasons so that we are really optimizing our own productivity without being go, 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 110%, 24-7? In terms of our work cycle, I guess our work day and our workload, I think it's useful to look at when we are in those spring and summer, you know, as you said, does does that Leanne, you know, book things for the <laughs> the winter and autumn, Leanne. I think having a look, and if you do have big presentations or big work meetings and things like that, optimize it. Great, book it in at that time. If you know, we can't always. We we live in a world with other people, right? So we can't always do that. But then that's where we're really passionate about people discovering practices and processes to put in place to support them. So I know that if I'm in a certain phase, I need to take extra time to prepare or, hey, I might not have the same amount of energy, so it's going to take me a little bit longer to make sure I'm in the right headspace and and deliver that. Working from home, I mean, COVID has brought it to reality for a lot of people and brought the, I think it's broken down barriers around what we can perceive as being productive, no longer for a lot of businesses or, you know, environments, working And sitting in front of a computer used to be, you know, from nine o'clock to five o'clock used to be equals productive. Whereas I think now we're suddenly realizing that people need to be able to manage their time. And even if they're working in a different space, productivity and outputs and things can still get done and off, you know, sometimes in a more productive way. So there are other opportunities. And if that's possible for people, managing that and say, look, if you are premenstrual and you're all menstrual or whatever, I'm going through those phases, maybe that's a day you do work from home and you have those extra comforts and the slowness and the, the ability to sort of spread out and not have to worry about dressing up to go in the office, go and sit and do your work somewhere comfortable. So I think having that flexibility and being able to manage that around your cycle And looking at what practices work for you, I think that's really important. Maybe it's, hey, I go for a really slow walk and I get myself in a clear headspace or I have this certain thing to eat or drink and it gets me sort of in the zone. It's really about engaging with your body and what works for you and your lifestyle and understanding what can give you that extra motivation or put you in the right headspace for that element. Yeah, and if you want to, depending on your team or someone that you work closely with, if it is aligned, maybe you share each of your cycles with one another. Like if you have an app, some people might want to do that or to just communicate. You know, Matilda and I do that. We just go, hey, got my cycle or I'm in here. So, okay, it already, because we have that shared language, there's already a baseline understanding of, okay, cool, that's where you're at. Or... If you're working, you know, in a smaller team or you have more breadth of tasks you have to manage, it might be, okay, I do my accounting and my detail-orientated stuff at the beginning of my autumn or around my autumn. And maybe I have shorter days in my winter. You know, I know people that don't work at all in their winter. Yeah. Or they don't do any client work. Yeah. So that that energy is just cocooning in. Yeah. And 
personally what I observe is the more I lean into my inner winter, the better the rest of my month is. When I'm resisting my winter and like pushing through, and you know, sometimes that happens in life and whatever, but it's just a less of a flow and then the next cycle might be really intense, like the less, next bleed. Yeah. So, yeah, and then your your ovulation, great time for doing filming, interviewing like we are here mm. or presenting. So where possible, if you can, if you have choice, yeah, yeah. like trying to to work with that. And I think it's also that redefining of what is productive. So like you said before, we've been working in this 24-7, quite masculine, individualist, every man for himself, get as much as you can done. And if you're not producing or emailing, or if you're not seen to be online, then it's either all or nothing. And I think there's that perception, especially with our periods, that you're either on it or off it, you're working or you're not. And if you're on your period, like we've seen other countries, and we'll talk about it in a second, we've seen other countries talk about period leave. It's not that I'm going to go sit home and do nothing necessarily, but redefining productivity to be, for me, is giving myself permission to read a book, giving myself permission to do an online course is productive. Going for a walk is productive. Having a shower where I come up with my best ideas and the second I step onto the bath mat, they're gone, but I have my best ideas when I'm away from the computer. So it's not this perception that we're asking to be all or nothing. It's we're asking to manage and we're, I guess, expecting now and demanding, permission's not the right word, but it's taking control and saying, actually, for me to be my most productive, I have to take advantage of when I am motivated, when I am looking my best, when I am at my sharpest and I'm actually rejuvenating and practicing the self-care when I am in my winter, when I know that I don't want to be talking to the people. We're in a, 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 I think, buzzword of innovation and all these sorts of things, right, in the world. But how innovative are we staring at a computer hoping that really great ideas come suddenly into our brains? How innovative is that really? Or how innovative is it really And to rack our brains forcing an answer for something when it's just not ripened? It just hasn't come yet. And also how innovative can we be if we're doing, if we're not giving ourselves permission and grace to go and learn other things and read other perspectives, if it's just business as usual all the time, that's not where the good, interesting stuff happens. So for workplaces and teams, we've talked about having open conversations about menstruation. Where are you? I say to my fellow tutors <laughs> when we're marking, I go, where are you? And she's like, I Hmm. Yep. Yeah, me too. So having those conversations, being open about it, no longer, I guess, I mean, we all remember those days of you grab a tampon and you hide it as though it's a a bomb that you're trying to smuggle (laughs) to the bathroom. Yep. But having those conversations, talking to our friends and our trainers and our kids, like I didn't realise, I've been talking to my both kids, I've got nine and 11 and Zara's nine. And I actually forgot to tell her that your period doesn't last all month. Mm-hmm. So that came, she's like, oh, you don't have it 
all the time. I went, no, I'm just cranky all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is my excuse this for one month excuse. of the I said, no, no, it's only, yeah, exactly. It's only one week out. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's not so bad. She was under the impression <laughs> oh, it was 24-7 for the rest of her life. So I motherly fail on that one. So being open about these conversations, having them with our girls and our boys and our teammates, what other sorts of things can businesses do? Because we're talking about menstruation in the workplace and it's not just, well, she's on her period. Oh my God, if I hear that. What sort of things can teams do, can businesses do to really embrace this? Yeah, I think having open conversations, trying to let's do away with the taboo and shame of it. And uh, we've had discussions across the board with many different genders, but we find that sometimes females are the hardest to talk to because we internalise so much of that, of that shame and taboo. And it's such a personal thing. Whereas if we start talking more broadly and openly with others, you know, if we can just go in and be a leader about that, and it might be might be awkward at the start, you know, in a team meeting or something to say, hey, look, this is something we might want to be aware of, that, you know, people do have different cycles. Even just the basics is something that m- most of us are not very familiar with, let alone tuning into. So to bring that up as an aspect and to an aspect as to why people might need different types of work arrangements or might be working differently on different days and giving permission. And I know it's hard, you know, I think we do need to give each other and ourselves permission. It's something that we haven't really acknowledged that it's um, that we've been denied access to this. So if we can move past that and move on as being just a normal fundamental thing that different people go through. It's nothing to be shamed. I think also, as you say, redefining productivity is kind of, it's a massive cultural shift for a lot of work environments. That won't happen overnight, but we need to start having conversations about what that looks like and how we can embrace that as a different working structure and a different working culture moving forward. And I think the good thing is lately, especially it's just the last month, we've seen Spain start to talk about three days of menstrual leave a month for women who, or people who are menstruating, who Mm. feel they need it. And the other thing is the state government have just put in free menstrual products into state schools, which is an excellent initiative. And no matter which way that goes, I mean, it can't be a bad thing, but it's in the news. People are talking about these issues now. So do you think workplaces will start to follow suit in terms of how they talk about it and even putting free products in bathrooms? Yeah, and I think there are some workplaces that do do that. So yeah, I I definitely hope so. When something's in the collective psyche, I think it infiltrates into having those dinner table discussions or discussions with friends and we can no longer, you know, yesterday I was at an expo and there was some, a man going, oh, that's not for me. And I was like, well, did you come out of a woman and do you know any (laughs) women in your life? Because it's actually for all of us. And it impacts all of us. So uh, we're making the connection of relevance or period poverty. Yeah, if there's shame and taboo, we can't talk about, hello, there's period poverty even in Australia. You know, those things. And period poverty is? Is where people don't have what they need. 
So they could be using toilet paper. Maybe they don't even have toilet paper. And this is something that can prevent people from accessing school or work. So what are the benefits then to, I mean, each other is a collective and also to businesses of starting to talk about this, of actually getting this right. What, what are the benefits? I think productivity as a whole being something that they can have a look at embracing their workforce and bringing their workforce into this new paradigm where people are valued. We're not just trying to fit into this cookie cutter of a nine to five workday that doesn't suit a lot of people. I know that when you feel like you're pushing through, you know, your winter and your autumn, you're just sort of pushing uphill and you're not being valued in the ways and, and not honouring that, that part of you. It leads to burnout. And we've got a whole workforce of people who can't then contribute positively to that environment. So, yeah, that's a massive plus. I think there's an opportunity. Think of headwind and tailwind on an aeroplane. And we know applying knowledge is powerful. So if we have that awareness of the cycle, that can be our tailwind pushing us along. And like Matilda said, productivity and effectiveness and efficiency. Yeah. And also the space for greater human connection yeah, absolutely. and empathy. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll cut that person a little bit of slack because that's where they're at, if they choose to share that. And having it a safe space to share that if they'd like to. Yeah. And how that can, again, ripple out into other aspects of life, I think is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's what we talk about as well. When we talk about empathetic leadership, when we talk about empathy in teams and empathy in design and customer service and human resources, it's looking at that human as a human with, I mean, we we talk about looking at people as an iceberg. You can only see this much of a person. Everything else is happening below the surface. And once we start to honour people for what's happening below the surface, whether they tell us or not, and show grace and actually be interested in humans as humans to be heard, not resources or problems to be solved. That's where the magic happens. That's where people feel a sense of belonging. They can be their authentic self. They tell people that it's a good place to work. They're nicer to their customers. They're nicer to each other. And then they have better output. Like, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it sometimes, yeah. but it makes perfect sense. And when I think for an issue like this, when there's fear surrounding it, when there's stigma surrounding it, when there's misperception surrounding it, then it's really hard to be your authentic self. And it would take vulnerability for a lot of people, men and women, yep. to actually have a conversation like this to to start the conversation because oh she's on her period probably not the place to start no No, and that is a throwaway line for why someone's feeling emotional because that's a bad thing yeah exactly so the connotations are attached to that absolutely maybe to be re-examined yeah absolutely and that's where that listening comes in Mm. and vulnerability and self-education and self-grace and you don't and that's I think the thing for a lot of men folk is you don't have to have the answers you just have to listen to what's going on and be open to it and yeah really lean into this and Mm. go is there a new way of doing things where I can be 
more open, more inclusive. Mm. And I think um, having those conversations, yes, can be hard if you don't have something to support you doing that. And obviously, we're very keen on having facilitating those conversations. But also, as we're saying, like Spain bringing in this kind of leave, it's in the media. There are a number of different studies and things out there, whether it's around period poverty or productivity or whatever it might be. It's starting to become better known. So maybe bringing in an article or bringing in something to prompt conversation, you don't have to be the catalyst for that. You can just kind of bring something that starts a discussion. And then it's sort of then taking the time to reflect on how that might operate in your workspace or how what impact that might have on other people yep. who you're working with. Yep. There are sort of softer ways to bring that into the conversation, I yep. think. Putting yeah. things into the bathroom just to start Absolutely. with. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's a normal thing. It's not something we should be just getting on with. We can support people who menstruate to come to work and be in a supported environment to have that and to be given the products that, yeah, should be treated just like toilet paper in the way that, you know, they're provided Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you so much. We've had such a beautiful discussion about, wow, productivity. We've touched on the patriarchy. We've talked about where people can start both personally with tracking their cycles and at work with listening and having vulnerable conversations, potentially putting products in bathrooms. Ladies, where can people find you and what is it that you're offering in this space? So best place to check us out is our website. So that's www.myoni.love, otherwise Instagram at myoni.love. So that's M-Y-O-N-I? That's right, M-Y-O-N-I. And we obviously have products for sale, but we also have developed a course which goes much more in depth into our cycle. And we do touch on productivity and the ways that we can develop practices to embrace and to really use our cycle in our lives. So that's a great place to start for people. That's available through the website. And we also offer face-to-face discussions, meetings, workshops around this topic. Yeah, we're really passionate about having these conversations and educating and tailoring that to the audience that we are engaging with. That's really important that we make sure it's useful for people and we can make sure that those conversations are being had in a beautiful safe space and that people can walk away knowing much more about themselves, but also, like we've talked about today, ways that they can then have that ripple effect on into the community. Lovely. Matilda and Sarah, thank you so much for today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this thanks, been Leanne. Great. It's been wonderful. <laughs>